the name of God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The fourth Sunday after Easter is always Good Shepherd Sunday. It's, uh, it's, I always look forward to it. I, um, this image of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is one of the most beloved images of Jesus that we have. It is the first uh, visual image that we have a record of in the catacombs of Rome, there is a, an image, there's actually a cushion in the St. John Chapel, which is based on this image, of Jesus the Good Shepherd. It's a young man, and he's got a, a lamb on his shoulders. And this is a, it's a clever image because this is the time of Roman persecution, so um, you have to be careful what you're doing. You don't want the Romans to know that this is a Christian symbol. You have to look at it, you have to know what you're looking at. But you know, if you're a Christian, that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And you see this, this lamb on his shoulders. And then, if you look at the image for a moment, you understand that it is in the shape of a cross. Perverse and foolish, off I've strayed. And yet in love he sought me. And on his shoulders, gently laid, and home rejoicing brought me. And how did he do it? By this immense sacrifice, by this laying down of his life. This is, this is love. This is what the Bible says love is, when you lay down your life. And he lays down his life for us. He pours himself out. He pours his life out to us for the Father's sake. He pours his life out to the Father for our sake. And by this sacrifice of love, which is the cross of Jesus Christ, by which he wins for us the new life with God and each other, the life that begins now in which the grave cannot hold the life of the resurrection, this life that he gives us by the gift of the Spirit. In this way, he becomes the good shepherd. I I am very attached to this uh, Sunday as well because when I was first ordained, when I was a mission priest, in far northern Maine, I was uh, what they call non-stipendiary, which means that you don't get paid. And the way that uh, we, we made a living, we, we, we did a couple of things to make a living. One of the things we did, we raised sheep. We had 200 sheep. So it's a very vivid image to me. It's, it is an image of great tenderness, but we have to be a little bit careful that we don't sentimentalize this, this image. Um, there are things in it that are, that are beyond compare. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And just this word good, uh, the Greek word there, good, is, a, it, good is, a, is the way that it's translated mostly, except for Archbishop William Temple in his readings in St. John's Gospel said, I am the shepherd, the beautiful one. And beautiful is the, literally the meaning of the word. Incomparable, I would say, the incomparable shepherd. No shepherd like this. This thing that we often hear, um, I know each one of my sheep by name. I, I raised sheep, I had 200 sheep. Let me tell you something. If you are able to know each one of your sheep by name, you have pets, you don't have a flock. And the image here, we must understand, is a political image. The image here is the image of the king. Some of us uh, may remember some years ago when 
the artifacts of Tutankhamun were touring the country. Do you remember that? It was on the cover, I think, of Time magazine at the time. And one of the things was that they had the sarcophagus, you know, the, 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 re the head reproduced in gold of the Pharaoh. And do you remember he had his arms crossed? In one hand, he has, he has a crook. In the other hand, he has a fly swatter. But in one hand, he has a crook. In the Middle East, in, ancient, in, in the ancient world, in the Middle East, what we call the Middle East, in the, in, in the Holy Land, in Egypt, in, in Palestine, in Israel, in Syria, in Persia. The king is a shepherd. The people are his flock. There is no king. There is no king who knows each one of his subjects by name. What kind of a king is that? A beautiful, it's an incomparable king. There's, no, there's nothing like it. And, and you just have to have a very few sheep to realize that we're talking about something that you've never seen before. And he lays down his life. Now, this is how it works. You join the army and you lay down your life for the Pharaoh. Or you lay down your life for the emperor of Assyria. Or even in Israel, the king gives the cry and the country turns out. And they fight and die for their king. What kind of a king lays down his life for the flock? He is, uh, he's the incomparable shepherd. He is the, the beautiful shepherd. He knows each one of his sheep by name. It's just an astonishing claim that the God who is the, really, the real and true God who reveals himself perfectly in his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the Lord reveals himself as the one who not is afar off, who not is, um, does not sit in abstract splendor. But comes in great tenderness and at a great price and with great sacrifice for each one of us. So this is, this is an incomparable uh, shepherd, this good shepherd who knows each one of his sheep by name. Now, he's claiming to be the Lord of Lords, and he's claiming to be the King of Kings when he says this, I am the good shepherd. He's also claiming to be God Almighty. You'll sometimes hear people say that Jesus never made any claims of divinity. This is a very, um, let's, say, let's say, a not very close reading of the New Testament, and it's a reading of the New Testament that can only be maintained by uh, preserving ignorance of the Old Testament. First of all, if you're a good Jew and a Messianic figure says, I am, what are you going to think about? You're going to think about Moses and he turns aside to see this great sight, this bush that is burned and not consumed. And God calls to Moses out of the bush and tells him to go to the king, the shepherd king, Pharaoh, and tell him to let my people go. And Moses in trepidation says, who shall I say has sent me? And God says, I am, I am. 
So here he is, Jesus Christ. And what does he say about himself? I am. And in this portion of the Gospel of John that we have, it's just one I am after another. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the bread of heaven. I am the good shepherd. And if you are a good Jew and you've read your Old Testament, and in particular you've read the uh, prophet Ezekiel, you will know that God himself has promised to come himself and be the shepherd of his people. As, uh, the prophets, um, they come when the people of Israel turn away from God and the way of life that God has given them. And we, like sheep, have all gone astray, each one after our own desires. And God puts a word in the mouth of his prophet Israel, his, his prophet Ezekiel, and the, the word that he gives is a prophecy against the false kings of Israel. God has established kingship in Israel. He's established it for a purpose. The purpose is that the people of Israel should live as God's special people. They should so live towards God, they should so live towards each other that they're a city set upon a hill, that they're a light to the Gentiles, that everyone will see that they know who God is and they'll be drawn and God will gather all his wayward children into one. And at this time that Ezekiel comes, they've had one corrupt king after another, one disappointing king after another, one failed kingship after another. And what is the result of that? The result of that is the flock is scattered. By the way, the kingship is exercised instead of people being pulled, the people being pulled together in, in solidarity, you know, in a holiness of purpose. Instead of being fed and nourished by the king, they're scattered abroad. And so here's what God says through the prophet Ezekiel. The day is coming, he says, when I'm going to send a king. And this king is going to be a true king. And this king is going to gather up the scattered sheep of Israel. And he's going to reconsecrate them, and he's going to make them holy, and he's going to make them really and truly into God's people again. Who is this king? Is it somebody that God is going to send? Is it some, some, some human person that God is going to raise? Well, God says, I myself will come and be the shepherd of my people. We must hear the majesty that's in this when Jesus says, I am. I am. And I am the shepherd that I promised would come through Ezekiel. God himself has come, fully human, fully divine. God himself has come to gather up his scattered sheep and to reinitiate his program, his mission of gathering the human family into one. Now, this is one of the great cries of the human heart. Can there be indeed one human family? And if so, how might it be possible? What could be, what could be the, the center, the recreating center for the human family? What could solve the problem of tribe against tribe? What could solve the Cain and Abel problem? 
What could solve the male-female problem? What could solve the nation-against-nation problem? What can be the animating center of a new human community? How could it happen? There are many uh, contemporary proposals for this that we know about. We know that Marxism is one proposal for this. We know that uh, some of the other great religions of the world propose this. Islam proposes proposes one universal brotherhood, one universal fellowship. We know that in our own time there are various uh, ideologies that propose to be the center for a new unity amongst humankind. They're all different from the, the Good Shepherd because, because all of these proposals, in the end, resort to some kind of strong-arming. It, it may be a very intense kind of strong-arming, as in the revolutionary violence of revolutionary Marxism. It may be a softer kind of totalitarianism. But all of these proposals for, for unity for the human family that are based upon some, some thing that we do ourselves, well, it's inevitable that they will resort to force in one way or another, to power or one way or another. How is it that God gathers his sheep? How is it that he breaks the human heart? How is it that he breaks down our resistance to him? How is it that he causes forgiveness and charity and mercy and forbearance and patience to grow up in us? By this immense sacrifice of love, by this laying down of his life, by this rescue mission, which does not bully us into one family, but draws us in by undeserved and extravagant love. Other sheep I have, and they must be part of this flock, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. How will this be? It's the mystery of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. But we are obligated to witness to the coming of the one that has been promised, God coming himself to gather his scattered people. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean that there is no truth in the other world religions? No. Does it mean there's no beauty there? No. Does it mean that there's no goodness there? No. Does it mean that even people who have no religion and are people of goodwill have nothing to offer the world? No. We must acknowledge truth wherever we find it. We must acknowledge beauty wherever we find it. We must acknowledge goodwill wherever we find it. And we must seek ways to cooperate with those that bring these things to the world. And praise God because we know that this is the light of Christ that lightens every person. But we must say with humility 
as ones who have been rescued ourselves. These things are all good, but nowhere there will you find the voice of the Good Shepherd calling each one of his sheep by name. Perverse and foolish, off I have strayed, and yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulders gently laid, and home, and home rejoicing brought me. In the name of God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.